Father in heaven, thank you so much for watching over us this past week. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for guiding each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, even for the little things that we sometimes don't see and all the protection and your watch care over us that, Lord, we are so unaware of the blessings around us sometimes. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes and help us to see those blessings in each of our lives this past week. Help us to be able to share it with each other. And more than anything else, Lord, help us this evening as we attempt to study your word. May you please guide us with your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's turn the Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. So we are looking at the life of Joseph and Hebrews 11 verse 22. This is what the Bible says. We read, we read it last week as well. But Hebrews 11 verse 22, the Bible says, By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. So we started looking at the life of Joseph and we reached already that point where he is now in prison. And we saw those early years in Potiphar's house and how he was lied about and then he ended up in prison. Of course, earlier before that was the hatred of the brothers. But remember this one thing that we looked at last week. God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. So now we are there in prison and we see there, and we're familiar with the story. Many of us are familiar with the life of Joseph. You know, cartoons have been made out of it, you know. And um, the butler and the baker that served Pharaoh, they end up in prison because Pharaoh is angry with them. The same prison where Joseph is. And we know how the story goes. Both of them dream dreams and they're both troubled by the dreams. And Joseph, of course, being the caretaker of the prison, sees their worries and asks them, what is it? And so they tell the dreams. And this is what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 40. Let's turn the Bibles there. Genesis chapter 40 and verse 8. Genesis 40 verse 8. This is what Joseph says. We have, they said to him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Now, I don't know what would have ever possessed Joseph to say such a thing. Tell me your dreams. Interpretations belong to God. Did Joseph already know that he was a prophet? Did he already know that he could interpret dreams? Probably not, but you know, you call people prophets that can tell dreams and tell them what it means, right? That's exactly what Daniel was. But you know, here's the important thing that we can learn right off the bat here is he tried. Joseph tried. Do you understand that? You know, we'll never know what God calls us to if we never try. How did Joseph know that God was calling him to a prophet? He didn't know. And that's the point. But because he saw a person in need, or two people in this case, and they had troubles with these dreams, Joseph was willing to try. He didn't have the story of Daniel to back him up. He didn't have anything in history to go, okay, I know what this means. Yes, Joseph dreamed two dreams when he was a young kid, but at this point, he'd probably forgotten them. 
You see that? But here's the thing. He was in charge of the prison. The happiness of the people there was his priority. And so he was going to try his very best to help them. Now, we don't see any record of him going into prayer like what Daniel did after Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 couldn't remember his dream and his life was on the line. But we know for sure that Joseph would have prayed. Why? He said, don't interpretations belong to who? To God. He never took the credit for it. So look, friends, here's a really important lesson that we can learn. Whatever position you're in right now, don't limit God. Whatever position that God has put you in there, you got to try. You got to try your best. As a church leader, maybe this is not what you agreed to or in your own mind, this is not what you signed up for at the beginning when you accepted this position. Or as a Bible worker, maybe you have the same thoughts. I I had my own fanciful idea about what a Bible worker would do and this is not lining up with it. Or we're saying maybe as a lay worker for God or even a missionary in a foreign land. God, this is not what I signed up for. But God is asking you to do what? To try. Things change, circumstances change, but just keep trying to do your best for God. And who knows what doors God will open in answer to prayer. So here in Genesis 40, I don't believe that Joseph knew that he could interpret dreams already yet. I don't think that Oh yes, I'm a prophet, so you tell me what you dreamt, I'll tell you what it means because God's with me. I don't think he had that sort of mentality yet, but he was willing to try. Let's not put God in a box and limit Him as to what He can do through each and every one of us. But sometimes we do by not even trying at all. So Joseph, he did great things for God because he attempted great things for God. So last week, God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. But now we see Joseph doing great things for God because he attempted, he tried great things for God. So what happens? They tell him the dream. He tells them the interpretation and its meaning, one good, one bad. Both dreams come to fruition. And Joseph, in his humanity, he calls out to the butler and says, look, Remember me. Genesis chapter 40 and verse 23. Genesis 40 verse 23. So Joseph's telling him, please remember me. I was put in here mistakenly, wrongly. I'm not even from this land. Just put in a good word word for me. Genesis 40 verse 23. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And then in chapter 41 and verse 1, and it came to pass at the end of what? Two full years. So Joseph had already been there in prison, but another two years on top of that, he was forgotten. We don't know how long he'd already been in prison, but it was already on top of what he'd already been through. And so we come to Genesis 41 and we see here in God's providence and at his right timing, he doesn't forget Joseph. He doesn't. He sends Pharaoh a dream, two in fact, and there's no one that can interpret the dreams 
except when the butler remembers now, Joseph. You see, friends, if it wasn't for Joseph helping the butler in the first place in prison, if Joseph would have just crossed his arm and says, I don't care, what's that got to do with me? If he would just say, you know what, I'm just going to mind my own business, try not to help anyone, try not to be recognized so I don't get myself into trouble. If he had not tried, if it wasn't for Joseph attempting to help the butler, the butler would not have even known there was a person in prison that could interpret dreams. It was a domino effect, you see, friends. Joseph tried to help and it worked and it came back as a blessing on him years later. But why did God wait two years to give Pharaoh the dream? We don't know. Why did God allow Joseph to be forgotten? We don't know, friends. But most likely, what Joseph was going through was preparing him in his next phase of life as a slave and then a manager in Potiphar's house. And now as the manager of the prison, even though he himself was a prisoner, God was preparing him to be the next prime minister of Egypt. And so Pharaoh calls out Joseph because of the butler's recommendation, tells him the dream, and Joseph interprets the dreams. And this is the result, Genesis 41, 42 to 44. I know we're zooming through the stories a bit, and I'm just assuming that you're kind of familiar with these stories already. If you're not, I just recommend you to go read Genesis 39, 40, and 41. And if you can, read all the way to chapter 50, which is the last chapter of Genesis, okay? Genesis 41, 42. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Friends, overnight, Joseph became the second most powerful man in the then known world. Egypt was at the height of its powers. And who else, who else do you think is standing there with Pharaoh when Pharaoh makes this announcement? Well, it's none other than the butler. And who else? Potiphar, the butler who he met in prison and Potiphar whom he worked for years before that. And they are standing there. Why? The butler served the king. The Potiphar was the captain of the king's guard. Where else would he be standing except at the right hand or the left hand of Pharaoh himself? Joseph was now in power to do these two harm. He could have revenged himself to the butler. How dare you forget about me? For two years, I helped you. And this is the goodness that you repay me with? And then to Potiphar, you threw me in prison and I didn't even do anything wrong. You know it. But Joseph, you see friends, he had learned to see God's hand in each situation. Even though sold as a slave by his brothers, God was with him in Potiphar's house and he became ruler over his whole house. There was evidence, you see, that God was with Joseph. Friends, even though we go through tough times of, 
of life, through the valleys and the shadows of life, we must look for God's leading and confirmation. Do you understand that? Let me give you an example of my life. I went to Taiwan after we got married. We moved to Taiwan. Um, it was the only job that came up and I accepted it just like that. I've been praying. I said, God, give me something. And the only thing that opened up was Taiwan. So I went and they made me chaplain of the school there. And guess what? I hated it. It was a valley in my life in a sense. But guess what? God confirmed that this was the right steps while I was there. He gave me a person to study with who eventually got baptized. She was the first person the principal told me, the first to ever get baptized in the history of that Adventist school. Can you believe it? But you see, God was giving me these little confirmations that, Ben, you're in the right place. You're where I want you to be. And so even though Joseph, he, he was in Potiphar's house and he was a slave, God gave confirmations to him, blessed the work of his hand. And when he was in prison, discouraged and down, still he had evidence that God was with him. He became manager of the prison. Also, he interpreted two dreams that came true. Only God could help him with that. He had evidence that God was with him. He couldn't understand why all this had happened. But he knew that even though it did, God was right there with him. And so there is Potiphar and Butler standing before Joseph, now the second most powerful man in all in e of Egypt, able to do them harm and revenge, and he doesn't. Why? Because it begins to make more sense. It wasn't Potiphar that put him in prison. It wasn't the butler that truly forgot about Joseph. God allowed all these things to happen for a reason, so that he could train him as a manager in Potiphar's house, as a manager of prison. Now you are ready, Joseph, to manage Egypt. You see, friends, hindsight is 2020 vision. Have you heard of that saying before? Only when things happen and we look back, we can see clearly, okay, God, now I know why you're doing all of this. And we can't see into the future. This is why we need to live by faith, step by step, each and every day, trusting God, no matter what happens to us. God had been preparing Joseph for this very day. And so he didn't take revenge. He knew God's hand was too clearly evident in every step of his life since he touched down in Egypt. And so we read Genesis 41 and verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Even through all the hardship, you know, friends, this is a pretty amazing accomplishment, if we could call it that. Joseph, he became prime minister of the most powerful nation on earth at that time, at the age of 30. 15 years, pretty much, split up between Potiphar's house and the prison, God's way of training people. It's what we call the school of experience, you know. Look, God doesn't train us the way that the worldly training thinks about going to university, going to theology school. He doesn't prepare you in those times for life. Do you understand that? 
your successes and your failures are not dependent upon what degree you had or how much money you had in the bank or what exposure you had and what family you're brought up in or what country you're from. Friends, I want you to look at Joseph's life. 15 years of training to be prime minister. Not a single Egyptian scholar taught him. Look at Look at Moses in the wilderness, 40 years. What kind of training did he have to lead a million strong nation out of Egypt? Talking with sheep for 40 years. Look at the life of Jesus as a carpenter. Look at John the Baptist, all his life preparing in the wilderness for six months of ministry. Friends, just maybe, just maybe God's way of training is seeing how we are like when we are a nobody. In the obscurity of life, He's waiting to see if we are faithful in the little things, whether we make the best of whatever situation we are in. Then only He can see and trust us in the big things of life. Joseph, he doesn't take revenge on the butler or Potiphar because he understands God's providence. Remember, God was with Joseph because Joseph remained with God as well. So the dream of Pharaoh, it was about to come upon the earth, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And Joseph, his leadership and wise management saved the whole nation of Egypt. The Abrahamic covenant, you know what it was? Do you remember? what that covenant that God made with Abraham. I want to bless you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing to others. We always want the blessing to ourselves though, isn't it? We want that blessing of a better life, a better job, a bigger house, a better car, more money in my bank, better clothes, better health. Joseph, he was a blessing to everyone he came in touch with whilst his life got worse. With the exception, of course, what? being elevated to that of the Prime Minister. But he was a blessing to the world and it came at the expense of his own comfort, of his own life. Friends, this was the result of faithfulness even in the valleys and the shadows of his life. You know, friends, God wants to bless each and every one of us. And especially, He wants to bless all those around us to give and not to be a taker or a consumer, to sweeten the atmosphere with our very own presence. So moving on, I'm sorry, I'm I'm trying to go through chapters here this evening, and I'm assuming you know all the stories, but now Joseph's brothers, which is really the most famous of what Joseph is known for, his brothers come when the famine strikes. And obviously the famine hits all the way to the land of Canaan. Otherwise, we would not see the brothers come to Egypt at all. And by this time, it's been over 20 years, 20, closer maybe to 25 years that Joseph has been in Egypt. He's around 37, 38 years old already. The Bible describes a long journey that he takes his brothers on to test them, to see if they've changed, to see if they're repentant and sorry for what they did to to Joseph when he was a little boy. And we're not going to go through all those details. I, I think in my Bible blessings, I do spend some time on the life of Joseph. Go back, look at Facebook or YouTube. Just look up the Bible blessings. You will see there, I do talk about the life of Joseph. 
But there is one overarching theme that we see in the life of Joseph. And you know what it is, friends? It's all about forgiveness. Forgiveness. How he forgave the butler and Potiphar. How now he's able to forgive his brothers for what they did to him so many years ago. And you know why was he able to do that? It's because he recognized God's hand and leading in all of this. See, friends, when you see that God is the one in your life right there at that very moment guiding you, you begin to accept everything else of what got you there in the first place. You know what I mean? So you, you end up here in KL Malaysia, but you didn't come to KL Malaysia because you wanted to, but maybe because it was an unfortunate circumstance in your life. Maybe some of you, you, you have to study here in Malaysia, your hometown, because there's not enough money to go overseas. You, you know what I mean? So we have circumstances that we don't, we don't, we're not really happy with. It happened to us even though we didn't want it to happen to us like Joseph. But when we get here and we see God's leading in our lives, it gets easier to accept it. And not just that, it gets easier to forgive anybody that hurts you to get you to that point where you are right now. So maybe you might be saying, hey God, I don't want to be here. I never liked it here. And you don't see how God is with you. It's easy to get bitter. Do you understand that? It's easy to hold on to grudges because you don't see God's blessings in the place where you're at. But it wasn't the case with Joseph. He saw God's blessings in Potiphar's house. He saw God's blessings in the prison. And certainly he saw God's blessings when he stood before Pharaoh, calling him to be prime minister now. But when he saw all of that, it was easy to let go of any grudges that he might have had against anybody. And we see this clearly in Genesis 45. Let's turn the Bibles there now. Joseph at this time, he's revealed himself to his brothers and they're a bit shocked. And so he gives them this speech starting in verse 5 of Genesis 45. Let's go there. Genesis 45 verse 5. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years, in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God did what? Sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, the lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now look, Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh, Joseph, you must be deluded. The brothers really were the ones that sent him there. Do you see that? But yet he says, God sent me before you to preserve your lives. If you hadn't sent me here to Egypt, you did it in the wickedness of your heart. Yes, I know. But God did it for good. Do you understand that? Friends, there's a really, really important truth that we learn behind all of this. But this is what makes forgiveness easier. Because, oh, you did that? Well, 
it's okay. You might have done that in the wickedness of your heart, but God, He had good reason for it. Let's also go to Genesis 50, last chapter of the book of Genesis, and look at verse 20. By this time, Jacob, their father, had already died, and the brothers got scared. They thought that Joseph was withholding back his revengeful spirit because of the sake of the father. So they're coming back and saying, Oh, Joseph, sorry, forgive us. We'll be your servants, etc., etc. And Joseph was so sad. He was so grieved in his heart. He had to repeat what he had said to them five chapters earlier. Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. The reason he's able to forgive is he's able to see God's hand in his life every step of the way. So forgiveness becomes easy when we realize God is in control of everything. Friends, you know the verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good to them that what? Love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. Friends, if you see the blessings in your life, no matter where you are, you are faithful to God and you hold on to that and God works for you, it gets really easy to forgive the people that put you in that position in the first place. And so this evening, I'm asking you, in the valleys of your life, do you see the blessings? Do you see the evidence that even there, God is with you? You may not have asked for it. You may not have desired it. You are not the one that wanted to be in this position at all, but yet here you are and you have a choice. But the question is, are your eyes wide enough to see the blessings of God. I like the story of Joseph because I can see how God has guided my life. Now look, I'm, I've never been in prison, I've never been a slave, but I've shared this about my life before and I I'm, I'm apologize if I sound like a broken record, but his life just reminds me of what I've been through. You know, I've grown up all over the world. I, I was born in Singapore. I'm, I'm actually Malaysian, but I was born in Singapore. And right after that, we moved back to Malaysia here. We were in Penang for two years. And then after that, we moved to England for five years. After that, we came back to Malaysia for another six years. After that, we moved to Australia for 10 years. And then we moved back to, uh, moved back. We moved to, I moved to US for seven years. Never in my life did I think I would ever come back to Asia? I'm, I'm more Western thought thinking in my head than I am Chinese or Malaysian. The only thing that's Chinese or Malaysian about me is my taste buds, okay? But that's about it. I'm what you call a banana. Yellow on the outside, white on the inside, okay? So I love all my Western foods as well, and whatever it is. But, you know, I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd come back to Malaysia. It was a place that was not even in my mind. Asia of all places. Uh, my brother and I, you know, when we were working in ministry together in US, we had discussed that um, maybe one day it would be good to come back to Asia. Why? Asia does not have the light of the gospel like the Western countries do. But even though we discussed about it in US, I, I didn't see it coming to pass very soon. You know, it was just something we said and 
I, I knew and he probably knew that at the back of our minds it wasn't really our big burden. But God sent us back here in the most uncanny of ways, the most unexpected of ways and through a lot of heartache, uncertainty and humbling experiences. Um, for a time, I was actually totally opposite to Joseph. I wasn't faithful. I was angry at God, angry at the uncertainty, wondering why God did this to me. I wasn't unfaithful in my work in the United States. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't offend anyone. Why, God? And so I came back to Malaysia and God was gracious to me. He's been so good. Since I left U.S., I got married. He blessed us when we were in Taiwan. He blessed us with three wonderful, healthy kids. It was in Taiwan after two years of working as a pastor. I was ordained as a, as a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. God blessed me even here now in Malaysia with two wonderful churches, uh, a wonderful mission to work with from the President, Executive Secretary. Uh, I, you know, I have two amazing church boards. You know, the, the church boards are so easy to work with. You know, I, I've heard of horror stories of church boards, but when I look at my churches in Dak and Sac, I'm so blessed. God has given me wonderful leaders to work with and have wonderful Bible workers. And this year, He blessed us with a home to call our own. You know, I've always loved to teach. You know, you know when I graduated theology school, I asked the college where I studied, do you need a Bible teacher? They said no. And they went off and hired somebody else, you know. Uh, but now I'm blessed with a training school that I can teach at and um, to be involved with and to see the lives of people change that come through studying the Word of God. God has been good. And though I never, ever, ever thought I'd come back to Malaysia, I've seen God's providence. I've seen God's working to the point I don't want to go back to U.S. or Australia where my parents live and my sister are there. You know, I, I'm ready to settle down here. And 10 years ago, that wasn't even in my roadmap. It wasn't even part of my thinking and my mentality. But you know, friends, it's not about where you are in the world. It's about making the best of your circumstances and looking for the providence of God in all that you do and wherever you are. And so this evening, I want to ask you again, in your valleys, in the shadows of your life, do you see God there as well? Maybe you've been through a situation where you put yourself in the, that situation as well. Maybe you're like Jonah that ran from God. You backslid and you apostatized. You left God intentionally, but yet God chased after you. And at the end of Jonah chapter 1, the people on the boat were converted. If we come back to God, we can even see God in the shadows of our lives that we brought upon ourselves that are self-inflicted, not like Joseph and his brothers. But it was you that put yourself in the situation. And when you come back to God, friends, God can be with you and turn it around to be a tremendous blessing. I'm not saying that I subscribe to that, run away and, uh, you know, praise the Lord that these people got baptized because of me, because of my apostasy. No, it's because of your faithfulness and willingness to follow God again. Do you see God in the valleys and the shadows of your life? 
Do you see him working? Do you see him still evidently there with you? That'll give you the confidence to hold on no matter what. Friends, I want to leave a text with you this evening. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8. It says, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. The devil thought that he was triumphing over Joseph by having him sold as a slave into Egypt. He thought he was gaining an advantage when he sent him to prison through the lies of Potiphar's wife. But God had even better plans. Training for prime minister. The devil thought that he was triumphing over Job by destroying his livelihood, by killing off all his children. His family and his health and his wealth all disappeared in a matter of a few days. But Job held on. And the latter end of Job's life was even more glorious than the former. The devil, he thought he was triumphing over John by exiling him to the Isle of Patmos. But God had different plans. And it was there on that island that he wrote out the most amazing prophetic book called Revelation, which reverberates even to our time today. The devil thought that he was triumphing by killing the reformers during the Dark Ages. But God had different plans because where one died, ten sprung up. The devil thought that he was triumphing when the last nail was piercing through the palms of the Son of God, Jesus, our Savior. And as he took his last breath, the devil thought that he had the victory. But God had different plans because through that death, he became the firstborn of many of an innumerable multitude, bringing in a rich harvest of souls and putting the last nail into the coffin of the devil. Do you see, as Joseph did, that others mean it unto evil, but God means it unto good? Yes, every pain, heartache, sorrow, trial, stress, tribulation, that you go through? Do you see it as Joseph did? And are you still faithful as he is? Do you see God's guiding hand in all of this? Friends, if I'm describing your life this evening, whatever you're going through, I want to remind you that God is preparing you. He's preparing you. How? I don't know. But I know that He knows you can take it. Just hold on and be faithful to Him. He'll carry you through to its final fulfillment if you will hold on. Hebrews 11.22. I'm sorry, my last text, I thought it was the last, but it wasn't. Apologize. Hebrews 11.22, the first text we read this evening. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. Even through the lows and the highs of Joseph's life, he never lost sight of God's covenant with Abraham. And so at the very end of Genesis, it ends with the life of Joseph. In verse 24 of Genesis 50, 24, Joseph says to his brethren, I die. 
and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto a land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Friends, through the highs and lows of each of our lives, let's not forget God's covenants and promise to us today as well. There's a heavenly Canaan. It's beyond what we see here on this earth. So let's learn to live like Joseph, to see beyond the seen and to commit all our ways to God. May God help us to be faithful, to be a man of integrity, just like Joseph was. And then no matter what comes our way, as we see God moving even in the shadows, we can be encouraged. God, I'm in the right place. Only help me to be faithful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to pray this evening for my brothers and sisters and even myself. Lord, we're so unlike Joseph, really. Many of us are tempted to complain. We're tempted to just let go of our faith. I know that I have in the past, Lord. Please forgive me. But Lord, please help us to see the experiences that you give us in your word are for our benefit to help us to understand that there are people that have walked this way before us. Not just only Jesus, the Son of God, but even this evening as we have seen Joseph And I pray, Lord, that you would please strengthen each and every one of us, especially those that are facing discouragement, that are facing loneliness, that are facing trials and temptations, that you'd be even with us right now and open our eyes. Help us to see your providence in all of this. Thank you, Lord. Continue to guide us and help us, Lord, even to forgive where forgiveness is needed this evening. We commit all our ways to you this evening, Lord. Give us a good night rest. Watch over us and bless us on this Sabbath day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, Or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.